Hello and welcome to Stick Together, Australia's only national radio show dedicated to workplace and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios at 3CR Community Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally via the Community Radio Network. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Temporary visas have become a hot potato for the Abbott Liberal government in Canberra as more and more evidence is surfacing of rorting of the 457 and holiday visa systems. A new Senate inquiry into temporary visas has uncovered disturbing evidence of exploitation of foreign workers and a system which is ensuring the double figures of youth unemployment in Australia is set to continue. We caught up with Victorian Green Senator Janet Rice for an update on the Senate inquiry. We asked first, why was it necessary to have this second look at the temporary visa system when the government has completed a review maintaining that only minor changes were needed to the present system? The Senate inquiry was initiated because it was clear that there still were some very serious issues with temporary visas, particularly the 457 visas. And the evidence that we've been hearing from the inquiry has absolutely underlined that. Basically, exploitation of foreign workers who are coming in and so very poor regulation. And then the consequent issues of that, because you've got people being employed under um, illegal employment conditions that's not being well managed, that is then undercutting um, Australian workers um, who are applying for similar jobs. My understanding is that the... Uh previous investigation was more focused on the visa holders, but the terms of reference of this particular Senate inquiry is broader, isn't it? Yes. So it's, it's looking at essentially what, what has been going on. So we've, we've heard evidence from people being employed in um, agricultural industries um, in particular, and, also, and lots of good testimony from various um, unions who have been you know, aware of the, the exploitation of workers that have been going on, so people that are being underpaid, working very long hours, not aware of their, their rights, uh, because certainly any employers employed under a 457 visa should be being employed at the appropriate conditions of the, of the award. And, and we've you know, heard lots of evidence from people working in agricultural industries that they haven't been. And then at the, the most recent hearing, we heard some, some very moving testimony from some workers from the Philippines who had been employed by Teeth Engineering Company and the Electrical Trade Union speaking on their behalf as well about the, the poor conditions, and but particularly the conditions of their contract, which were illegal, and which said that they weren't allowed to join a union. Still got a, a number of hearings to go. The issue of labour hire companies is certainly... Uh, a very significant one, the worrying one, where you have you know, the, the companies themselves that often aren't aware of whether it's a blind eye or whether they're actually not aware of what the um, conditions that labour hire companies are employing people under. Now, the thing is that there's a fairly high unemployment rate at the moment in Australia and uh, youth unemployment is at around 14%. And it's been pushed by the the present government that uh, in some of the building codes, for example, that they want to push, that uh, it is a restrictive uh, practice to ensure that apprenticeship quotas should be included in EBAs. Now, do you think that uh, the whole issue of temporary visas is tied in some way to 
unemployment levels in Australia. Is that are you finding that in any of the evidence that you are collecting? Well, certainly the evidence from the electrical trade union was very much so that there are there is significant unemployment rates in um, people without high levels of experience, so people just entering the workforce, and so at the same time, companies employing um, people on four, five, seven visas. The, the workers that we that were interviewed in the inquiry, Filipino workers, essentially you could see that they were they were coming into the country at the expense of giving younger, less experienced um, Australian workers the opportunity to be able to build their skills. There was also big concerns about, although in in theory that these workers were meant to have the same levels of skills as the Australian electricians, um, there was plenty of evidence that that was. There wasn't good control to make sure that that was the case, and so the the ETU representatives have said that you know, they were very concerned at times about the safety of some of the work that was being done by these electricians and the safety for them themselves because they still often weren't good enough to make sure that they were aware of of all of the, the safety procedures and you know, not even having the English language skills to be able to understand the you know, warning signs, for example. And so it's you know putting putting the the lives of the electricians at risk and plus the potential of work that's not up to the um, Australian standards. So it's really a very significant issue. And you know you you look at that and think, well, why are we doing it? It's, and particularly when you've got you know young young workers in Australia who aren't able to find find work and certainly and, and not able to to access apprenticeships. Uh, it's been described to me by an academic in this field as a worrisome trend for the government to be using visa arrangements to deal with uh, so-called skill shortages and that it would be a problem in overall governments to use it as a tool for all problems that might be within the uh, economy. Now, it would seem that in some ways that uh, this approach, this overuse of, uh, of temporary visas that is afoot, is actually undermining the oh, overall labour uh, structure within the Australian economy. Would you have any opinion on this? Well, I, think, I think there is a strong case that is occurring that and that if we have skill shortages, well then, uh, you know, particularly in the case that we've got still shortages, but we've still got high levels of unemployment, we've got to be questioning, well, what's not working about our education system, about our apprenticeship system, you know, about um, really good quality uh, TAFE training and training on the job to make sure that we are giving um, Australian people, particularly Australian young people, the opportunity of building their, their skills to be addressing these skill shortages. You know, another example is the Nurses Federation presented us with information about not being enough opportunities for, again, young nurses to be really able to be building their skills. But then we're in a situation of, of saying that well, there's school shortages, but rather than, than giving these, these younger, less um, experienced nurses the opportunity to be building their, their skills and experience, that there are, there are nurses um, being brought in on temporary visas. But really, you know, I think there's the, the connection between the... Um, bringing in temporary workers and the failings of our education are very strong. The time frames, the, uh, the very slow uh, process that is, you know, uh, 
necessary effectively for, say, in Senate inquiries and other types of uh, methods used by uh, Parliament to actually deal with issues of this sort? Would you say they're out of step with what's happening on the ground as people are losing their jobs to temporary visas, the uh, lack of uh, government uh, accountability around uh, regulating these uh, processes that they've put into place. Uh, On one hand, they say things are are under control, but actually real evidence on the ground is showing that it's far from under control and that it's undermining people's uh, security of work. The time frames, they're out of kilter. Yeah, I mean, essentially, the Senate inquiry, I mean, it's, it's an opportunity to shine a light of what's happening on the ground, but it, in, in and of itself, it's not going to create the um, political push to get change, and essentially what's required to get change is, is political will from the government of the day, and certainly the current government doesn't seem to have that political will to be addressing these issues of their problems with their education system and really addressing skill shortages and really, you know, ensuring full employment um, in Australian society there. So the Senate inquiry will have the, you know, the benefit of saying this is you know, the evidence of what's happening on the ground, but then it's going to be up to the community and, and the union movement and, um, and others to be applying pressure to be getting the political change and you know, I'm, I'm fairly pe- pessimistic that under this government we would get that political change. Certainly, you know, it's something that's agreed. We're in a position after the next election of of having uh, been part of the government or having significant influence in the government. This week, the Maritime Union of Australia, the MUA, held a demonstration outside the inauspicious Liberal Party headquarters at 104 Exhibition Street in Melbourne to raise awareness of deregulation of the maritime industry in Australia and the threat of the free trade deals being made by the federal government to the working futures of Australian workers and, indeed, Australian sovereignty. In the next piece on Stick Together, we hear from Dave Oliver, ACTU Secretary, who was on the back of a flatbed truck talking to MUA members at Tuesday's demonstration. We also hear from Kevin Bracken, outgoing MUA Secretary of the Victorian branch. So our next speaker is going to be Dave Oliver, the Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions. Uh, put your hands together for Dave. Thanks, uh, thanks very much, Kevin, and thanks uh, for everyone for coming out uh, today. Uh, <clears throat> I want to make it very clear that the union movement is pro-jobs, and we are not anti-trade, We recognise the need for trade, but we say that it has to be fair trade, not just unwanted or unregulated free trade. We believe in entering trade deals that are subject to external scrutiny. We believe that there should be trade deals subject to scrutiny to see where the benefits are in regards to social, environmental impacts and the benefits for employment overall. Now, I've been around for a long time. I worked in the manufacturing industry for many, many years, and I'm yet to see a trade deal that can deliver real benefits. Now, it's not often I'll stand up at a meeting or a gathering such as this and want to quote the Productivity Commission, 
that even they have found recently that these bilateral trade agreements that we enter into deliver no real value whatsoever and in fact has had a detrimental impact on jobs in certain industries and sectors around this country. Now in the manufacturing industry, for example, we're being consistently told that we need to compete on a level playing field. And let's have a quick look at some of the trade deals that have been done in the past. Several years ago, the government here in this country did a free trade agreement with Thailand. Now, even before the ink was dry on that deal, the Thai government had implemented a commercial vehicle tax which put a significant tariff on auto component car parts or the four territories that we were exporting out of this country into Thailand which made it unaffordable for territories, which saw the end of Australian products going into Thailand. So much for a level playing field. In the United States, if the government there wants to build a ship, there's a provision there called the Jones Act. And that means that any company in the world can tender for that project, but it's on the basis that if they win it, they must build their ships in America. In the United States, they have a Buy America Act, where any project, infrastructure, road, rail, whatever, there's a condition there that the bits that go in there must be sourced from the US. So the question is, why is it that we've got other countries around the world that have got measures to look after their own industries and to protect jobs, and yet in this country, we've got a government that's prepared to sell them out to the top end of town. Shame! And we just Shame heard, liberals. we just heard from the Assistant National Secretary of the AMWU, who's been running a terrific campaign along with other unions to fight for our shipbuilding industry in this country. And they have been arguing, along with the ACTU, that the biggest infrastructure spend that we're going to see in modern times which will be the acquisition of submarines, and we've been fighting for them to be built here in this country. Well, we knew last year when Tony Abbott came back from Japan with a free trade agreement, we suspected that it was a nod and a wink and part of that deal was for Japan to build those submarines. Well, that's why it came as no surprise this year that the government was announced originally a preferential arrangement for Japan. Again, another example of our industries and our jobs being sold down the road for the sake of a free trade agreement. And now we've got the Chinese free trade arrangement deal being negotiated behind closed doors. And it's only now recently, after the government had signed off on it, that we're starting to see the details. And the real concern that we have is that this deal will allow Chinese companies to bring over entire workforces on projects that are worth $150 million or more. In fact, it's worse than that. The $150 million threshold applies if a Chinese company's got a 15% stake in that project. So what that means, if there's a project that has $18 million of Chinese money in it, there'll be no labour market testing, no requirement to test the local market, 
and that the Chinese companies can bring in their own labour from overseas to work on these projects. And the question has to be asked, why? When we have unemployment in this country at 6%, around regions around this country we have double-digit youth unemployment. And by these trade deals applying, that were denying opportunities for young Australians to get apprenticeships and to get jobs. Another fact came out over the weekend, that the requirement to test the skills of tradesmen coming out in this country will be waived for electricians. And I know the ETU have been running hard on this over the last few days, and the Minister had the gall, Scott Morrison had the gall to come out and to accuse the ETU of being xenophobic. And as the ETU had said, this is not one about race, this is about safety. And if there are standards that are applying to local companies, they must apply equally to, um, to foreign companies as well. On top of this, we've got the ISDS provision that's being negotiated in this bill, which again allows foreign companies, corporations, to challenge laws that the government has implemented. That can apply to health, where our government has legislated strict rules around tobacco. It could apply to a mining company that might not agree with an environmental ruling that is in place. And of course now we have the TPP, which is a major agreement to apply around the, in the Pacific, again being negotiated under a shroud of secrecy. And what this is about, it's about making corporate profits more important, more important than protections for clean air more important for protections for clean water, for climate stability and for workers' rights. And so we know that when the Abbott government stands up and says that Australia is open for business, what he means is, is that they're opening up to selling all of us out to the highest bidder to the top end of town. That's why this deal needs to be exposed for what it is. That's why we must demand that the opposition should do whatever it takes to hold up this agreement it shouldn't come through, and all future agreements must be subject to ensure that they are going to be in the best interest of all Australians in this country. Thanks for coming here today. Thanks very much, Dave. Well, all that go on about good governance in uh, unions have to have good governance. Um, how will it be if we signed off our members and said, look, we're going to do a deal for you, and don't worry about it, I'll sign off, and once I sign off, you've all got to do what I, do, what I make you do. I've been hauled before the Royal Commission, and yet that's what's happening to this country. They've not released the text. None of these trade agreements, not one, none of the text is allowed to be looked at. It's, it's done in secret. There's over 600 corp US corporations have had input into the Trans-Pacific Partnership Agreement. But if a member of our parliament has, uh, wants to have a look and say what it says, they can't have a look. The Prime Minister can't have a look. The Trade Minister has to sign off before he can disclose it. And then all we've got to do is implementing legislation. So it's terrible governance, it's an absolute um, sham. And you can see, if something can't be shown in the day of light, there's probably something wrong with it. The workers united will never be defeated! The workers! The federal government's failure to adopt policies that improve the quality of jobs in Australia is constraining employment growth, productivity and economic expansion according to a book published last week by the University of Sydney Business School. The book, Job Quality in Australia, Perspectives, Problems and Proposals, edited by Angela Knox and Chris Warhurst, 
asked some serious questions about the Abbott government's employment strategies. Dr Angela Knox took some time off to answer some questions about the key arguments of the book. Job quality is based on a number of dimensions. It includes the pay that someone receives, the job security that their job entails, skills and training opportunities, and career develop opportunities. They're the most common dimensions that are included in assessing job quality. Now, you, you're maintaining uh, the, one of the arguments in this book is that uh, the federal government's failure to adopt policies that improve the quality of jobs in Australia is constraining employment growth, productivity and economic expansion. Can you explain that? Yeah, absolutely. The um, level of job quality that people have impacts their own attitudes about their work and about what contribution they're making more broadly. It also affects their well-being, their, their mental and their physical well-being. And those dimensions also then flow into the way in which the organisation performs. So how we feel about the work that we do affects how well we perform on the job and how productive we are within the workforce. And then in turn, at that organisational level, the extent to which there are high or low levels of productivity and performance, that directly impacts national economic outcomes like gross domestic product and growth. So if we have poor quality jobs, We become mentally unstable to an extent. In fact, people who have poor quality jobs have a poorer level of of mental well-being than people who are unemployed. And that flows through to higher rates of absenteeism in the workplace, higher rates of turnover, poor productivity. And of course, that then means that we impede the potential for national economic outcomes like GDP and growth. Now, you make a, a direct connection with uh, policy, uh, government policy. Can you uh, explain to us some of those policies that you think are actually impacting on job quality in Australia? Well, we need, of course, to maintain and continue to shore up and improve labour standards and employment regulation for Australian workers. We also need to educate employers. Employers make decisions about the quality of jobs that they provide. So, for example, they make decisions in many cases about the wage levels that they provide, the levels of job security that they provide, whether they provide career development opportunities. So many employers aren't well informed about how they can increase the quality of jobs. And there's a a place for government to assist employers in that regard. Now, there's been a lot of uh, push within employer organisations and inquiries lately to remove penalty rates, for example. Uh, Several EBAs have uh, been removing conditions and moving towards uh, renegotiating things based on a very low level safety net arrangement. And it seems to be running through most of the... uh, Uh, negotiations these days to actually remove any emphasis on uh, 
uh, health and safety, for example, mm. uh, to uh, not invest in uh, future generations educational processes to bring to rely on temporary visas that sort of thing which is mm. increasing insecurity in the labor mm. market in Australia so would you say that they were actually policies that are impacting on job job quality absolutely those sorts of um, effects that you refer to diminish the quality of jobs um, that's a, a dismantling of the sorts of labour standards and employment regulation that we need to be maintaining and improving rather than disbanding and eroding because that's exactly the kinds of things that will reduce the quality of jobs and impede national economic outcomes. Now, uh, often there is this uh, notion of Australia aspiring to be a great country. So... What you're saying, I guess, is that uh, that rhetoric is merely rhetoric if this continue, this race to the bottom continues. Yes, that's right. And if we continue in that regard by diminishing labour standards and employment regulation and, and allowing job quality to decline, we will see a further hollowing out of the kinds of jobs that sit within the middle of the band of jobs that band between poor quality and high quality jobs. And that's exactly what has been happening in the US, for instance. Um, as union membership has declined and labour standards have declined, there has been a hollowing out of the sorts of good jobs that existed in years gone by and we've seen a polarisation where there's an increase in poor quality jobs. There is, There are some high quality jobs but in the middle there's very little remaining. So we see many, um, in fact the bulk of employees who are stuck in poor quality jobs and find it exceptionally difficult to move into better quality jobs. So basically, would I be right in saying that you're saying that uh, this approach is actually going to change the face of Australia's society if it continues? Yes. If we dismantle labour standards and employment regulation and if we fail to educate employers and put in place policy that will allow us to sustain and create better quality jobs, then yes, it will impact individuals, it will impact organisations and it will impact national economic outcomes all in a negative way. That's it for today's Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. We have to thank Senator Janet Rice, Dave Oliver from the ACTU, Kevin Bracken from the MUA and Dr Angela Knox from the Sydney University Business School for speaking to us today. If you're interested in the book, Job Quality in Australia, it's published by Federation Press. I'm sure you can find the details online. Sick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at stick.together at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time. <laughs>